All right, good morning, everyone. It's time for the headphones. Uh, I haven't had a lot of opportunities to do the headphone style presentations, so this is a somewhat new experience for me. The only other time I've done this, I was giving a presentation uh, at an AWS summit in Tokyo, and I was telling uh, a whole story about Alexa, and they warned me, don't tell jokes because everyone's got a translator in their ear, and so they're not actually hearing your voice, they're hearing the translator. And so as, they tell, as I told my jokes, because I didn't listen to their advice at all, I would tell the joke, and then five to seven seconds later, the crowd would laugh. Uh, and it was really jarring, because you feel like your joke didn't land, and you move on, and then they laugh. Uh, so it's a little strange, but I think we'll be okay here. I think you guys are all actually hearing my voice. Uh, so that should be good. So my name is Jeff Blankenberg. Uh, I am a senior Alexa evangelist on the Alexa team, and I spend all of my time loving my job. Um, I can't even express to you how much I love doing the things that I get to do, so much so that I dedicated my first three slides to my job. So the first one, uh, there's three parts really to how I think about what I do and what, uh, what my role is on the Alexa team. And the first one is listening. Um, you guys may have noticed I kind of wandered around and talked to some folks before the presentation even started. Um, I want to know what you're thinking about and what you're interested in and what, you, what you're hoping to learn. Um, one of my favorite things to do is to sit with developers and talk to them about how they think about voice and what they think is interesting or what they think is important or um, what is challenging them in building skills for Alexa. Um, it's, it's really eye-opening to me because I spend a lot of my time building also, but to hear how other people think about it or have, they have their own conceptions or sometimes even they've gone past what I, the way I think about things, uh, and oftentimes I get to learn as well. But to help them um, grow in building Alexa and help the, our product teams understand what developers are really trying to do, that's a really important thing for me to be able to do. Number two is I get to write a whole lot of code so I spend a lot of my time building Alexa skills. I start thinking about interesting scenarios for voice. Um, how can I build a cool game or an experience that's different from what's out there today? Uh, and how can I solve some interesting problems like um, generating a bunch of data for my skill and having other people contribute to that so that I can have a trivia game with a never-ending set of questions, right? Because people can continue adding them. Uh, solving some of these architecture problems are also really fun and really interesting for me. And it requires me to really understand our platform too, right? I have to know how to do all the things. Um, and so writing a lot of code helps me do that. But the third one, the third one's my favorite, and it's the thing I'm doing right now, uh, and that's teaching. I spend a lot of my time on a stage or in a classroom talking with people about the latest and greatest, and how do I share this knowledge, and how do I do this thing? But doing this, what I'm doing right now, isn't possible without the first two things. If I'm not listening to you, if I'm not building things actively by myself, um, then I don't have the opportunity to teach or, or help you learn anything new. Um, this is actually from uh, an AWS summit in Brazil, where I got to sit and talk with a bunch of people. And you can see there's headphones there, but they are just listening to me. Um, but it's, it's a very odd experience to be able to talk to people with headphones on because uh, you, you feel a little disconnected. A lot of people will look away or they're, they're not focused on the speaker. And so I, I tend to vibe off an audience a little bit. And so it's a little weird when you have to do the headphone thing. All right, so let's get started. There's, there's three parts to this presentation. Um, the first part, I'm going to talk a little bit about devices, um, and not in the, hey, this is $99 and you should buy it way. Um, it's going to be a, um, these are the new kinds of scenarios that this unlocks for people that use voice. 
Um, so we're going to talk about some of the new form factors and new devices that are out there and um, what has been released this year. But the, the whole overarching goal of this presentation is to talk about what's new in 2019. What are the things that I can do now with Alexa that I couldn't do before this year? Uh, the second piece is going to be capability. So what are the things that Alexa can do now that we couldn't do before? What are the new features that Alexa has added that make it really easy or interesting for our customers to be able to, to use the devices? And then the third part is developer tools. Uh, and we'll talk a lot about what are the new cool things that we can do as developers? What are the things that we should be taking advantage of as we build Alexa skills? And so that's kind of the, the three segments. But I'm going to add a fourth segment right here at the beginning, which is numbers. I love to be able to share numbers, and so rarely do I get an opportunity, except at events like reInvent. And so these are some interesting things you may want to know, especially if you haven't built a skill before. Um, this, is, this might be your motivation to think about, maybe I should look at building some software for voice. The first one is, there's over 100 million Alexa-enabled devices out there today. That's a lot. That's a lot of potential customers. That's a lot of potential opportunity for your business, for your software. Um, that's a lot of devices. On top of that, last year on this stage, uh, my peer, uh, my, my colleague David Spitzky uh, got up here and he was so excited to share the fact that we had just crested 50,000 Alexa skills. In one year, we've doubled that. We're now over 100,000. So it's starting to accelerate. It's starting to grow. The number of things that people can do and the way that people can experience what's going on with Alexa has grown significantly. It took us almost three years to get to 50,000, and it took us one year to get to 100,000. So there's lots of cool stuff out there, but there's lots more opportunity. There's many more things that you could be building today that don't exist right now. There are hundreds of thousands of skill developers, and every time I tell people this, they're like, really, that's a lot. And from my own personal perspective, I think, man, that's a lot of competition. I don't know that I want to build skills against all those other people. But the, the cool thing about this number is it means there's hundreds of thousands of people thinking deeply about what it's like to build a voice experience. They're thinking deeply about what is the right way, what are the best practices, what are the things that we should be doing when we build stuff for voice that make it better for our customers. And we, they share those learnings, right? They write blog posts and they, they create GitHub repos that we can borrow from. I know I do that. And we're learning from each other. So we have hundreds of thousands of other people that are doing the same stuff we're doing and sharing their knowledge with us. That's really exciting. But at the end, this comes down to being able to build skills, being able to build software that runs on a voice assistant like this. If our customers aren't using them, there's not a lot of point in actually building stuff for it, right? So the good news is customers have used Alexa skills billions of times. That's with a B, billions. Um, there are lots of skills out there. We talked about being over 100,000. But those skills are being used a lot. And to even reinforce that, there's been a 100% increase in skill engagement just this year. So the number of skills that were being used, the amount that those skills were being used a year ago, has doubled. Right? So people are really starting to take advantage of the fact that they can order pizzas and an Uber uh, or get great recipes from the Food Network. Um, all of these kinds of things are awesome, awesome opportunities for, the, for your customers to take advantage of your skills. Okay, so those are my numbers. Now I want to get a little bit into devices. Lots of new devices this year. This isn't even all of them. Um, but I want to talk specifically about form factor because I think this is the really important story to be told. Um, again, I'm not here to sell devices, although if you want to buy them, I'm happy to let you do that. But the point of the conversation here 
is for developers. We're, we're talking about things we could build and the ways that we could build them. So the first one I want to talk about is the Echo Buds. Uh, you can see she's wearing headphones here. They look like this. I have a set in my pocket. This is the little charging case that they come in. These are kind of hard to demo to a large audience, but this is the size of the case. That's what they look like. They're smaller in real life, I promise. Um, but the idea with these earbuds is that they have noise reduction, right? So you can, you can knock out the outside world when you're on an airplane. You don't hear all that loud white noise. You don't hear the people or the baby sitting next to you. Um, it, they're really good headphones. These, these are in my pocket for a reason. I use them just to get here. Um, but on top of that, they have Alexa built in. And so that means that now, where it used to be when I was in my house, I could talk to Alexa because I had an Echo sitting on the counter. Now I have Alexa everywhere I go, right? So now when I'm walking down the street or I'm walking between office buildings um, or out for a run, I don't have to just listen to music. I could play games. I could do all sorts of voice-enabled experiences uh, on the go, wherever I happen to be. That's why I think this is really interesting because it unlocks that kind of mobile experience where now I can say, hey, let's go on a walking tour of New York City, right? Now, it doesn't know your location, but you could say, okay, I want you to start at the corner of 4th and 12th, and I want you to walk north. Now, it's going to take you about two minutes to get there, so let me tell you about the buildings that you're going to pass along the way. All right, now you should be at the corner of 3rd and 12th. Now we're going to look, take a right, and we're going to do this, right? There's lots of those kinds of things that we could build just with having some earbuds that have that experience. The second mobile experience you're going to have, uh, and you can wear these places other than aquariums also, is the frames. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the announcement for these earlier this year, but they look like glasses. I have a pair here. You can see that I just look like Jeff with glasses on. Um, I've, I wore these all day Sunday, and I walked around a bunch of technologists, a lot of people that know I work for Alexa, right? I have t-shirts on that say Alexa all over them. Nobody even asked me, hey, are those the frames? Like, it didn't, even, it didn't even come up that, they, that I might be wearing the glasses that aren't yet released. So the thing that's cool about them, though, is that they have little speakers right over your ears. It, it again, provides that kind of mobile experience, but it's different from the Buds in that with the Buds, I'm closing the world off, right? I'm sealing my ears shut with some earbuds, and I'm having my own personal private experience. And then every once in a while, I might look like a crazy person when I'm like, Alexa, next song right, or something like that. Actually, we should probably mute that device. Um, but by doing those things out loud, as I've been walking, I'm staying at the Cosmopolitan. I've had a lot of activities in the Aria, and I have this, you know, 15 or 20-minute walk between the facilities. And what I found is that every once in a while, I'm like, I'm waiting for a clearance. I'm waiting for people to not be around. Then I'm like, Alexa, next, right? I'm moving on to the next song. Or, but, but I'm very conscious of the fact that I can't really, they can't hear me, but I'm still speaking out loud. With the glasses, it's still kind of the same thing, except that I haven't plugged my ears, so I still hear everything around me. I can still have music, and it's not obnoxious. It's not music that's blaring everywhere around me. Um, it's just music that I hear at a volume that's comfortable for me to be able to listen to. So I can be listening to things and still be very aware of the environment around me, but it still unlocks that mobile experience, right? It still allows me to go places and still have Alexa um, available to me easily without having to pull out my phone or something like that. Okay, the next one, which I'm sure someone has noticed already is on my hand, is the Echo Loop. Um, this is another device that, again, enables that mobile experience. These are all new. These are all things that are brand new to the idea of Alexa. But I have a ring on my hand, right? And this ring has a button on the bottom that I can click. And so I can just tap the button and I can say, Alexa, 
what's the weather outside today or whatever? What's the pollen count? What gate should I be at at the airport? Um, those kinds of things can all be unlocked with just having a ring on. Now, the ring and the frames and the buds, they all travel through my phone. They're using my phone as the internet connection. They're using Alexa on the phone. So in all of these cases, I have all of the connectivity, all of the things that I would normally expect to have, but I don't have to pull my phone out of my pocket and look at a screen and open an app and do all that stuff. I have it right here on my hand. So those are the mobile experiences. This is what the ring looks like. The last one that I want to show that relates to mobility is the Echo Auto. Um, this was announced last year, but it was generally available to everyone this year. Uh, and you can see the, the small blue light that's on the dashboard there. The thing that's different about this one that's different from the others is that it actually has geolocation data. So where, with this ring, I can't say where's the nearest Starbucks. Um, I would have to say where are the Starbucks in Las Vegas or something like that. But with the Echo Auto, I can say find the nearest gas station. Uh, or if you're into that sort of thing, like, where's the nearest Taco Bell, right? There's a very divided feeling about Taco Bell, I found. There's some people that are like, that sounds great. I'm going right after this session. And there's other people that are like, Ugh, I'm in the first camp. Um, but the idea here is that I have an Alexa device in my car, right? There's lots of great games and fun things you can do, podcasts, all the stuff you would normally think of. Um, but the ability to just ask Alexa for directions to places and to find the nearest location um, becomes incredibly handy, especially in a situation where your hands aren't free, right? Um, you need to be able to hold onto the wheel. And I know not all of us all the time hold onto the wheel with two hands. You need to be able to hold a Coke, right? Uh, hopefully not your phone. Um, okay, so we have, we have the uh, Echo Auto. It's much smaller than this. It's a small device. Uh, and in fact, I, feel, I drive a Jeep Wrangler. Um, I feel like they built a spot in the Jeep Wrangler specifically for this device. This is my actual car. That's my actual knee on the left-hand side. Uh, but you can see the little blue bar that's down there by the gear shift. There's a little console hole that really only holds an Echo Auto. I have no idea what else you would put in there. Maybe your wallet. Um, and then there's a USB port. You can see I have a little six-inch cable that runs to it. Uh, but it hears me very well. It's, uh, it's easily accessible, but it's not in the way. Uh, and I use it a ton. I think it's great. Even though I have CarPlay and other things built into my car, I find that a lot of the things that I want to do are built right into Alexa. <clears throat> All right. We're done talking about the mobile experiences and the things that can happen there. Um, I want to talk about a couple of devices I have up here just because they're different and unique. The first one is the Echo Input. Uh, that's this one. It plugs right into a wall. Um, and if you buy it internationally, it has a different plug on the back for your location. But the cool thing about it is that it has a USB port on the bottom. So if you plug this into your kitchen or your bathroom or whatever, um, the places I generally see it, because you don't want to have your Echo, something like this, sitting on your bathroom counter. Uh, it gets gross there. There's all sorts of bottles of things. Um, my wife has 15 bottles of, I don't, I don't know what's in the bottles. Uh, I know she looks lovely when she's done using them, but I don't know what they're all for. Um, but all of that stuff is scattered across your sink, and there's water and everything else. So you don't necessarily want a device with a cord and everything sitting on your counter. This just plugs right into the outlet that's above your sink. And this is a great way to have Alexa in your bathroom or whatever, or in this case, your workroom. Uh, but the USB port on the bottom is interesting because you could charge your phone off of it, which is nice and convenient. But you could also plug in one of the accessories that's available for it. There's a nightlight. So imagine you plug this in like a hallway. Um, you could just plug a nightlight in, and it's on um, when, it's, when it's needed. Uh, but then there's also a motion sensor. And the motion sensor allows you to build routines to say, when the motion sensor detects motion, 
do something. And if you guys haven't played with routines with Alexa, it basically allows you to do anything you could do with a smart home. So I could have a light turn on, I could have Alexa say something, I could have it play a song. Um, anything you could do with your smart home, you could control with a routine. And so the, the, the uh, motion sensor allows that routine to kick off. So these are additional accessories. They cost 10 or $15, I think, and you can plug them right into the bottom of the device. Super cool, and the nice thing about this is that it's super cheap, right? This is $25 at full price, and I think around this time of year, it's probably even lower. Um, the next one is the Echo Glow. This isn't actually an Alexa device, but it's a super cool nightlight. I have one of these in my son's room, and he has started to build all sorts of cool routines. Um, so he, he has a thing, um, I've seen some other people do this too, I think he found it on the internet. Um, but if he says, Alexa, what are you doing in my swamp? Which is a quote from um, the movie Shrek, if you guys have seen the movie Shrek. He doesn't say Alexa, but he says the other part. Um, he, uh, his light turns green and it starts playing I'm a Believer by Smash Mouth, um, which is kind of funny to, to do, right? He thought that was a clever way to, to mess around with Alexa. Um, but you can tap it, you can set it into campfire mode, and it does a bunch of other um, kind of, like there's a disco mode where it's just flashing all sorts of colors. Uh, but it's a fun new device that just came out. There's also the Echo Dot with clock, and the, that's the one that I'm using. I think the clock is probably showing on the front. I didn't actually look. Yeah, so we have this one here that actually has a clock on the face. Now, the thing that's interesting to me about this one isn't that it's an Echo Dot. Like, that's the most common device. It's one of the first ones we've had ever. Um, but what's cool about it to me is that they continue to innovate on devices. They're looking at what the common things that are said to devices. And one of the most common things people use this for is next to their bed or in their bedroom. And they're constantly, as they're getting ready, saying things like, Alexa, what time is it? And then 10 minutes later, Alexa, what time is it now? Because they're getting ready and they're dressed and they want to make sure they hit, catch their bus or get their kids to school on time. And so all they did was innovate a little bit, change the device, and now there's a clock on the front so people don't have to ask for that specific obvious piece of information. But on top of that, you can do things as a developer with this clock face. So uh, I, I was going to demonstrate some skills. I'll do that in a little while. Um, but one of the things you could do with this clock is have the words scroll across the front. So I, I thought that this image here, if I do that, I thought this image here would animate. It turns out the slides won't let me do that. But what you should see is words that kind of scroll across the front. So I have a skill, which we'll look at in a little while, that's called the Star Wars databank. And the idea behind it is to be a skill that literally can answer any question you would have about the Star Wars universe. Who is this character? Where is this planet? Who's from this planet? What droid is that? What species is that creature? Um, you name it, I'm trying to cover it in this skill. And I'm, so far, it's doing a really good job. But some of the other features that I'd add, added to it were the idea that you could see the trailer from any of the movies, right? So if you have a device with a screen on it, I could just pop up the video of the trailer and you could watch that. Uh, but I also wanted to be able to show those opening crawls. If you're familiar with the Star Wars movies, there's those yellow words that kind of scroll past as you watch the movie. I wanted to be able to show you that, on, on, again, on devices with screens. But everything about Alexa has to be voice first. You have to be able to do things with voice initially. And then if you want to add stuff for screens, that's great. So for the voice first experience, I read you the scroll words. So you know, it'll say it's a period of civil war and it'll start to read the rest of the, the scroll for you. Um, but on this device, I thought, man, how cool would it be if the, the words just scrolled across the screen on the front of it, right, as you're, as you're watching this? It's a very niche experience, but it's a delightful experience. If you have one of these and you ask for that, and it just happens, I, I just think that's, a, that's a, a neat way to take advantage of the hardware that's there. 
So there's the Echo here, it comes in new colors. Um, the thing that I really like about this though is they continue to improve the speakers. Um, I love having music playing in my home. And you put one of these in any room and it's plenty. Um, the sound that comes out of this little box is remarkable. But then there's this guy. Um, this is the Echo Studio, which came out this year. It has a subwoofer built into it. Um, I have never owned a better speaker than that. Uh, and it's, it's absolutely amazing. I put it in my house and I called my family in and we're big fans of Broadway. And so I started playing the soundtrack from the broad, uh, Broadway musical Beetlejuice. I don't know if anybody's actually seen that, but it's fantastic. Um, and we just played the very first song and there's like this somber chorus that comes in and then it's really loud music and it's chaotic if you can imagine Beetlejuice. And uh, it was so much. We had the volume turned up and it was overwhelming how much sound was coming out of this little device. Um, so these are again, just really great speakers, but they also happen to have Alexa in them. Okay, so I've, I'm done talking about devices. Uh, we've talked about some form factors and some cool things that we can do with these things. But now I wanna talk about capabilities and get into what we're really thinking about. What are the things that customers are now able to do? So the first one, um, which we actually announced last year, is something called Blueprints. And this is for people that wanna be able to build skills. Maybe you don't have the, the ability to write your own code. Maybe you're not a developer. Uh, or maybe you just wanna build something that's very simple and quick. And I have a number of Blueprints that I've built myself. Um, we have one, you see the blue box in the middle. There's one just to the right of that called Whose Turn? And I built a skill using this Who's Turn blueprint, um, and I named it the dishwasher. And in it, you can assign all the people in your household that you think should be emptying the dishwasher, which in my case happens to be my 15-year-old daughter and my 11-year-old son. My wife and I have decided after all of this time, we don't do that anymore. That's their job. So the dishwasher is the name of the skill. So we say, Alexa, ask the dishwasher whose turn it is. And the kids are always like, no, 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 no. Uh, and what they don't know is it just always alternates. So whoever went last is going to be the next. They think it's random, though. Um, and so it, uh, Alexa will announce, oh, it's Riley's turn. And Riley's like, oh, man, OK, I'm going to go do the dishes, right? But we've taken it out of our hands. They don't get mad at us for like throwing chores at them. Now it's Alexa's fault, and I'm totally fine with that. Uh, so whose turn is one example of a blueprint, though? Another one that I have is custom Q&A. Um, this is where you allow yourself to build out a list of questions that people might ask your devices in your home, um, and then you provide the answers to those things. So I have an 11-year-old son. He and his friends love to play video games on their tablets, on their PCs, on the Xbox, whatever. And we tend to be the house that the kids come to, which I totally love. I love being able to meet all his friends and have them all come over. But for those of you that have kids that are in their early teens, tweens ages, you know when they come over, what's the first question they ask you? It's not, hi, Mr. Blankenberg, how are you? It's, hi, Mr. Blankenberg, what's your Wi-Fi password? Right? That's the first question I get every time they walk into my house. So what I've started doing is saying, ask Alexa. And anywhere in the house, they can say, Alexa, what's the Wi-Fi password? And she'll tell them. And so I don't have to stand there while they fumble around on their really gross, grimy iPad screen to type in the password. They can just ask Alexa and handle that themselves. So there's lots of that kind of stuff. If I have house guests, they can ask what the address is if they wanna have a pizza ordered or whatever. Just, hey, what's the address here? And Alexa knows all those answers because I built this custom Q&A. So there's a lot of really cool things in here. If you have kids, there's all sorts of adventure stories they can build. But the, the cool part, the reason I'm talking about it today is because you can publish these things now. So I wouldn't ever publish the Q&A that I have for my house. I don't need everybody to know my Wi-Fi password and my address and everything like that. But I have a friend who's a realtor, 
and he wants to be able to use Alexa in the houses that he's showing for open houses. Because what he finds very commonly is that he's, he's there by himself and people are coming into the house. So he has set up a nice little picture frame, a little ornate picture frame next to an Alexa device uh, with a screen on it. And it has some things you can ask Alexa. Um, and by doing that, people come into the house and they're like, oh, tell me about this house. And it gives them a quick verbal tour of what's going on with the house. Um, in addition, they can ask questions like, how old's the furnace? When was the roof last repaired? All the things you would want to know if you were looking at a new house. Um, so he's, he builds that stuff for every single address that he's selling, and he publishes them. So if people want to find that stuff on their own Alexa devices or ask those questions, they can look up that skill and have access to it without actually having to come to the house. Right? So those are the kinds of things that you might want to publish and make available to people. So now you can publish all of your blueprints, your stories, whatever it might be that you want to share with other people. This is a great way to do that. Okay, so that's blueprints. I want to back up before I start this. Um, the next thing that I want to talk about is super, super cool, and it's called Alexa Guard. Has anybody heard of Alexa Guard? A couple of people? Um, I'll give you the quick background, which is basically that Alexa can detect, if you tell her to, um, the sound of breaking glass, the sound of smoke alarms, things like that, um, so that you can be alerted like, hey, it seems like something bad is happening in your house. We want to let you know, and you can get alerts on your phone and whatever, and you can turn it on and off as you choose. Uh, so this is just a quick video kind of telling you what that is. Guard is a new Alexa feature that helps you keep your home and family safe. When you leave, set Guard to away mode by saying, Alexa, I'm leaving. Once in away mode, your Echo device can detect the sounds of smoke alarms, carbon monoxide alarms, and glass breaking. If one of these sounds is detected, Alexa can let you know with a smart alert via a phone notification. You can listen to a 10-second audio clip of the detected sound in the Alexa app, or drop in on your Echo remotely to investigate what's happening in your home. Guard works with security systems from Ring and ADT. Alexa can arm your system when you set Guard to away mode. And with professional monitoring, you can forward smart alerts to your security service provider. If you have connected smart lights, Alexa can control them when Guard is in away mode to make it look like someone's home. To set up Guard, open the latest version of the Alexa app on your mobile device, go to Settings, and select Guard. From there, follow the simple step-by-step -step instructions. Next time you head out, tell Alexa you're leaving to put her on guard. All right, so that's guard. It's a super cool feature that makes your devices even more useful, right? Especially when you tie it into maybe a security system you already have or smart home devices, light bulbs or switches so you can turn lights on and off when you're gone. Um, it's a good way to just indicate to people that like, I'm paying attention, I know what's going on in my house. Another cool thing, and this is always one of those ones that um, when I brought this up, I was like, oh, I'm going to talk about Alexa answers during the presentation. People are like, really? You're gonna, that's a thing you're going to talk about? I love this. Um, the idea behind Alexa answers, and how, how many of you have an Alexa device at home? Awesome. Um, secret for everybody. If you didn't raise your hand, if you think you don't have an Alexa device, you're wrong. There's an Alexa app. The Amazon.com app has Alexa built into it. Um, the Amazon Music app has Alexa built into it. So you have an Alexa device probably in your pocket. Um, but if you're not using it, that's okay. When you talk to Alexa, sometimes you'll ask random questions, like when was some random celebrity born? Or um, a good example is this one that I, that I answered. Do eagles fly south? I actually didn't know the answer to this, right? But this is something that you might ask Alexa. My kids do it all the time. They'll ask all sorts of crazy questions. And sometimes, I hate to admit this, but sometimes Alexa doesn't know the answer. And she'll say something like, I'm sorry, I don't know that. 
What Alexa answers, which is this website, enables all of us to do is to write those answers for Alexa. So every day when I come into this website, they give me three questions that have recently been asked to Alexa that she didn't know the answer to. And I get bonus points for answering those three, but then I can go as deep as I want in many different categories. Let's say I'm an expert on video games. I could go into the video games category and I could dig through and be like, oh, I know the answer to that and type it out. I know the answer to that and type it out. And then instead of Alexa saying, I'm sorry, I don't know that, what she'll say next time is, oh, it looks like another Alexa user has answered this question for you. Here's what they have to say. And it shares the answer with the, the people that are asking those questions, right? So it's a crowdsourced database of knowledge that allows us to have short, simple answers. I think you get 300 characters max. It's not meant to be lengthy. Um, but these answers that you can see here, these are answers that I actually wrote and submitted and that are now available on Alexa. So if you ask Alexa for these questions, you might just get my answer. Um, but the, the whole thing is gamified, right? There's achievements, there's leaderboards, there's all sorts of fun stuff. Um, and so it's kind of cool to participate and play and review other people's answers and do things like that. I, I really, this is what I do before I open my email every morning, is I go answer those three questions just to see what it is. And I find that I learn stuff too. I didn't actually know if eagles fly south. So I had to go do a little research, it took me you know, 30 seconds or whatever, but I went and found out what the real story is and then I, I wrote an answer that reflected that. Okay, so Alexa Answers is super cool. I highly recommend it. Now let's talk about some features. Um, this is where I'm gonna show a couple of skills because I think this is kind of interesting. So um, I have two skills that I'm gonna show you. One is a trivia game. Uh, it's called TKO Trivia. And what I want you to get a feel for is all the, the nonsense that's happening. If you haven't built a skill before, there's a lot that goes into it, thinking about what people say and how you catch their answers and how you respond to all those things. So I'm gonna play the trivia game first. We're just gonna answer one question just so you can see how that all works. Uh, and then I'll do the Star Wars databank one as well. Um, so you can see what more like a, a, an encyclopedia style skill would be like. So Alexa, open TKO trivia. I just realized I can't hear her. Let's try that again. Alexa, open TKO Trivia. Welcome to TKO Trivia, the trivia game show where you answer difficult questions and win nothing. What would you like to do now? Give me a random question. Here's your question from the business world category. In what industry did Andrew Carnegie make his fortune? Does anybody know the answer? Steel? So you'll notice that he's playing some music right now. Um, I'm giving the user 30 seconds to think about their answer. They can always, I'm going to interrupt it here in a second, but after those 30 seconds, she'll make you answer. Alexa, steel. Hip, hip, hooray! You nailed it. Awesome. That just got you 10 more points, which gives you a total of 90. What would you like to do? You can start today's game or ask for a trivia question. Quit. Okay, so that's a simple trivia game, but I want, I want to take that apart a little bit. 
everything that Alexa said to me was pulled from a database and randomized, so I had no idea what she was going to say. You heard at the beginning she said, welcome to TKO Trivia, where you answer difficult questions and win nothing. That's one of like 10 different ways that she can welcome you to the skill. Um, there's another really cheesy, punny one that's like, welcome to TKO Trivia, where our questions will knock you out, like terrible puns like that. Um, but there's all of the speech is randomized. We're all pulling that from a bunch of different data sources. There's also sound effects. You heard um, there was a, a dollar sign, like a, a cash register ching right before we did the business world question. Um, she exclaimed, hip, hip, hooray, after you got the question right. Um, those are called speech cons, and those are ways to get Alexa to say words with more emphasis. There's you know, about 200 different words she can say that way. Um, Lots of different pieces that are pulled together, but it also was able to recognize that I said, give me a random question. It was able to recognize what my answer was and then validate that it was the right answer for the question. Uh, so there's a lot of pieces and parts that go into that, and a lot of that is code, right? Um, that entire skill is only about 1,000 lines of code, um, but 1,000 lines is a decent chunk. So that's, that's TKO trivia. The next one I want to show you is the Star Wars databank. Um, I like to do this with an audience because then it seems like, I feel like a magician, like there's nothing behind the curtain. You guys are gonna help me figure this out. So I have a good number of characters and planets and vehicles and droids and species and weapons, all sorts of stuff, vehicles um, in my database already. Can somebody suggest a thing from Star Wars? Like it has to be in one of the movies or one of the TV shows. That's, that's the scope of my uh, canon. I'm not venturing into the books and stuff just yet. Uh, but does anyone have something they'd like me to try to ask Alexa for? The Death Star? Awesome. Thank you. Alexa, ask Star Wars Databank about the Death Star. I found two possible matches for the Death Star. Did you mean Death Star or Death Star 2? Death Star 2. You asked me about Death Star 2. Hoping to crush the rebellion once and for all, the Empire began construction of a second dreaded Death Star near Endor. But the project ran behind schedule, Death Star 2 was only half finished, and the Emperor himself visited to oversee its completion. What else can I provide information about? Quit. Alright, so that's a little more simple and straightforward, right? Tell me about a thing and I'll give you some information. That was a, a good recommendation because you got to see disambiguation where I have two things that you might have said, Death Star or Death Star 2. That's actually one of the things that I still need to figure out how I'm going to solve that because uh, you notice I picked Death Star 2. If I had said Death Star to it, it would have said, okay, do you want Death Star or Death Star 2 again? Because they both have those words in it. So that's a, a disambiguation problem I have to solve. Um, but it's, it's a... The idea is, is that I have a simple database that has all of the information. What I have to do is help the user funnel into the appropriate thing. So one of the things that I can do, in fact, I'll do this with the, the Star Wars one again, is this time I'm going to say, Alexa, speak faster. Okay, I will speak at this speed from now on. So now we have her at that speed. This applies to everything, including the skills that I've built or anyone else. Alexa, ask Star Wars databank about Boba Fett. You asked me about Boba Fett. With his customized Mandalorian armor, deadly weaponry, and silent demeanor, Boba Fett was one of the most feared bounty hunters in the galaxy. A genetic clone of Alexa, his father. stop. Goodbye. So one of the cool things about being able to speak faster is that it applies to everything. So you've all listened to a podcast or a YouTube video or something like that. Do any of you watch it at 1x speed? 
or listen at 1x speed? No, we want it at like 1.5, 1.7, because I want to get through it, but I want all the content. And we can listen a lot faster than we can speak. So speak faster or speak slower is a great way to kind of modify that. Another one that's super cool is whisper mode. Now you can tell Alexa to turn this on, but what's really nice about this is that you're laying in bed, you have a, a fan in your bedroom that um, is smart, it's enabled, it's smart enabled. And so as you're laying in bed and you're freezing, you just want to turn the fan down, but the fan is on the other side of the bed. It's on, it's on my spouse's side. So do I crawl over her? Do I get up and walk around the bed? Or do I just yell out like, turn off the fan or whatever? Or you can whisper it, right? So you guys will all hear this well because it's in your ears, but Alexa, what's the weather outside? I'm assuming you guys can all hear that. So the idea that I can apply whisper mode to everything is super cool, and it happens automatically. All I have to do is whisper to the device. So these kinds of little things make it so much more usable for our customers. Another one is creating routines just with our voice. When I say goodnight, turn off the bedroom light, right? That will be a thing that she remembers every time. I've built one um, that I say, time for bed. So I say, I've muted, Alexa, time for bed. Uh, and when we do that, all the lights on my first floor turn off. My bedroom light turns on, the fan spins up to about 50% speed. Um, it locks my front door if it's unlocked. It closes my garage if it's open. Um, all of those things happen just by my wife and I deciding we're done watching TV. We say time for bed. All that stuff happens with one simple voice command, right? And you can build those things with your voice, not only in the app, but also just by talking to one of your devices. There's one more that's really near and dear to me, though. Uh, my grandmother, at an old age, I think she was probably in her early 70s, uh, lost her vision. Uh, macular degeneration took her, her eyes enough that she couldn't see anymore. And uh, while she has since passed, the idea of being able to assist somebody that can't see is still something that's really important to me. Uh, I, I'm a big advocate for assistive technologies, uh, screen readers, all of those kinds of things. Build, being able to build accessibility into our software is really, really important. Uh, because if you can't see it, you can't use it. And with voice, we already have the ability for people that are, have vision impairment to be able to talk and get the information that they need. But sometimes they need to see a thing that's in their hands, or they need to know, like, which can of soup do I have? And that's not a thing that Campbell's puts right on the can, right? There's no braille on the can to tell you it's tomato or chicken noodle. So what am I holding? If you have an Echo Show, there's a camera on that device. And if you hold up a household item and you say, Alexa, what am I holding? She can look at it, read the words immediately off the can, and tell you what that thing is. So let me show you a quick video of that. I am totally blind. It's been eight years this December. I went through every single room and reorganized it so that I knew where every single thing was because in my house, I was not going to feel blind. Alexa, what am I holding? It looks like tea for day, world of teas. But when you have other people in the household, things get moved all the time. Hi, Brett. Hi, Stacy. Ready to go? I guess so. All right, let's go test it out. Okay. My job is to help people with visual impairments and to see how technology can affect people's lives and make them feel better about what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. I lost my vision when I was 10 years old. I, I'm a stay-at-home dad and I, you know, I do a lot of cooking. And there's a lot of things I can't see. The whole idea for show and tell came about from customer feedback actually. Challenges around identifying things in their pantry. And we thought, yeah, we can do this. We can help here. 
I'm gonna give you a product and then you're gonna say. Alexa, what am I holding? Let's see. It looks like 365 everyday value macaroni. Great, that's awesome. I think that's garlic powder. Wow, that's impressive. It's critical for us that we're working with our customers, building with them, not just building for them. They really need our feedback to tell them what we need. You'll hear sounds to help you position your item. It looks like organic canned pineapple. Whoa, is that what it is? Oh my gosh. All these devices that are acting as your eyes, I think it's very revolutionary. For me, the less stress I have to put on somebody else is less stress on me. And it makes me feel good. So like I said, that's absolutely incredible that we can offer that kind of functionality to people, give them some independence back that they may not have had before. We launched a few languages this year, including Hindi. Um, uh, India has really gravitated towards this. They like the idea of being able to speak um, one of their native languages to Alexa. That says namaste. I don't know that I had to have someone translate it for me, but that says namaste. Um, also, Spanish in the United States. This was not something that we initially had, uh, had rolled out, but once we included Spanish for places like Mexico and, and um, Spain, um, we were able to include Spanish in the US, so people in the United States can speak Spanish to their devices if they'd like. Uh, and finally, we have Portuguese. I mentioned earlier that I was in Brazil. Um, Alexa can now speak Portuguese. And so if you'd like, you can change your device no matter where you are. You could say, hey, I want to be able to speak Portuguese to my device now, uh, and then it'll listen in Portuguese. Okay, so the, the last bit, the, the most important part to me, is to talk about some of the cool things that we can do as developers in building our skills. So I know a few of you, as I walked around the room earlier, talked about um, never having built a skill before, or you're really interested in voice, but you haven't played with it. So before I dive into this, I want to give you a very, very quick overview of how you build for voice, uh, because it's really pretty straightforward. Um, when we think about what users say to a device like these, what we're doing is we're building out a set of what we call intents. And the easiest way to think about an intent is to think about a DVD player. We're all still old enough to know what a DVD player is, I think. Um, but a DVD player has a bunch of buttons on the front of it, right? We have a play and a pause and a stop and a rewind. Nowhere on anyone's DVD player is there a button to check your bank balance or to order a pizza, right? You just have a couple of buttons. Those buttons for your DVD player are your intents. And those intents are the things that you would expect if you were talking to your DVD player. Those are the things you'd expect it to do. So I would build a play intent, and I would build a pause intent, and then I would build a bunch of sample utterances to reflect what people might say when they want that thing to happen. So for my play intent, I might have an utterance that's play, but I might have another one that's like, it's showtime, or play the movie, or maybe play Star Wars, right? Because I want to play a specific movie. But all of those sample utterances really just mean push the play button, right? And so that's what our code would do. Our code would do whatever play happens to be in our, our skill. So that's how we build a skill. We have to define a set of intents. We define a set of sample utterances for each of those intents to reflect the things that a user might say. And then that gets handed off to our code and we say, oh, they want to play, so we'll play the movie. But if they said play Star Wars, then we'll say, okay, they want Star Wars, so we're going to play the Star Wars movie. Having known that now, that's, that's basically how the skill works, and it's just a constant loop of the user said something, I say something back, the user said something, I say something back. 
One of the cool things that we released this year is the idea that you can now publish skills and build them without having to have any AWS infrastructure at all. Initially, the first few years that we had this, you had to spin up your own Lambda functions. Um, you had to provision those things and get them all set up and ready. Um, and if you had a really popular skill, you also had to pay for whatever cost that Lambda function incurred, right? I think all of us at reInvent understand that when you use things, sometimes they cost money. Um, Lambda is actually one of the unique ones. The first million times that you use it a month, it's free. Um, but above and beyond that, that's when you start to incur some costs. And a million's a lot, but it's still something that's possible to, to get over. So we introduced Alexa-hosted skills where we actually provision the, the endpoint for you. We provision the Lambda. You can still provide the code. You can still push things into it. You still have access to all the stuff you would have. It's just that it's on our AWS account, not yours, which means you don't have to worry about any of the costs that might be incurred by running a Lambda function. Um, and you can see here that there are some limits, right? Five gigs of media storage, 15 gigs of data transfer. Um, but that's a pretty significant amount. Um, and if you do exceed those limits, call me, email me. I'll fly out and buy you a nice dinner because you did something good, right? So in these cases, you can build it for Node, you can build it for Python, but you don't have to worry about setting up any of the AWS stuff at all. Uh, we'll handle that for you. That's a new thing that we introduced this year um, that has made it a lot easier for people that maybe don't want to set up an AWS account or don't want to use their personal one for something like this. Another cool thing that we introduced is the idea of something called APL, Alexa Presentation Language. The initial version of this was introduced in 2018, but the advancements that were made this year in APL 1.1 and 1.2 um, have dramatically changed the game. You can do things like animations. Um, we in introduce um, vector graphics, so you can add those and have them scale across all the different size devices, including big televisions on a Fire TV or something like that. Um, very, very cool. We also added some design tools. So this is the design tool for the splash screen for my TKO trivia game. And you can see that I have a bunch of interesting stuff happening here. I have a bunch of tools up the side for data and styles and my document. Uh, I have my structure, so this is actually all the elements that are currently on the page, and the properties for the thing that I've currently selected, which happens to be the background image uh, for the thing that I'm working on here. I also have a bunch of other things I can add in here, like a video player, touch, buttons, all sorts of interesting controls that I can add to this. But it's the stuff at the bottom that has become the most useful to me. Um, down here at the bottom, I have all the different screen sizes. So we have things like the Echo Show, or the Echo Spot, which I don't have up here on stage with me, but it's a small round screen. The layout for that probably needs to be a little different than it would be for a big rectangular screen. So we have all of those different screen sizes down here. But in addition to that, you can see at the bottom here, it says View on Kitchen. This, if I were to drop down that list, would show me a list of all of the Alexa devices that I currently have on my account. And I could at any moment say, show me it on that device. So I have, a, I have an Echo Show 5 sitting next to my desk at home. And so when I'm doing my designs, that's the first place that I'll start, is I'll say, show it on the Echo 5. And it'll, the device right next to me, without having to publish the skill or talk to it or do anything, I can see what that screen will look like, because it pushes it immediately to that device. Uh, it's a super handy, useful way to understand what my design is going to look like on a specific device. So that's design, that's APL. The next thing um, is testing your interaction model. So I mentioned earlier, we have these intents, and we have utterances, and we have slots, which are the things like the Star Wars. That's how I know they said Star Wars to my skill. Um, but being able to test my interaction model is vitally important. How do I know when someone says pause that it actually is going to go do the pause thing? Right? How do I know when they say it's showtime 
that it's actually going to hit the right intent, except having faith, right? Which is not enough for us as developers. We want to know that it's going to work. That's why we write unit tests. That's why we do all of these things. So in this case, we have two tools that I'm going to show you very quickly. The first one uh, up here, we have this evaluate model button. And you can see that I have an utterance profiler. So I can come in and just type something in, like give me a random question. This is my TKO trivia game. And I can see right here that I got the question intent, but there's no category because I said random. I just, I don't care about what category it is. But if I say give me a sports question, you can see this time the category came through as sports. So I can verify that when I say give me a sports question, I'm actually receiving the values that I expect to see. On top of that, we can take this a step further. If we open that evaluate model box again, this time I'm going to choose the other tool, which is the NLU evaluation. NLU stands for natural language understanding. And so in this case, I'm going to create a whole slew of tests for my Star Wars skill. I'm going to test and see how it recognizes my characters. So in this case, I'm going to create a set called characters. And then in here, I'm going to create an utterance. So I think the first one is Luke Skywalker. Tell me about Luke Skywalker. And I'm going to add this to my list. And then I'm going to tell it what values I expect it to get. So in this case, I expect it to hit the character intent, because they asked about a character. Uh, and I want the character slot to be filled in to have Luke Skywalker's name. That's the thing that should be passed through to my code, right? That's the thing that I should receive. So we'll do this a couple more times. We'll add another one. This time, they just say Darth Vader instead of at saying the whole statement. And again, he's a character. I would expect the character intent. The expected slot is the same thing. It'll be the character slot. And I would expect Darth Vader to be the value that I receive. With the third one, I type in R2-D2. Maybe. There we go. I type in R2-D2. R2-D2 isn't a character. He's a droid. And so in that case, I expect I'll hit the droid intent this time. So I should get the droid slot. And in the value for droid, I should get R2-D2 as my value. So we have all this information. We go ahead and we save our set. And once we jump out of here, we're going to run this set. So I'm going to open up the tool again. And we're going to choose the NLU utterance, uh, NLU evaluation. I'm going to choose my annotation source, which is the only one I have. And I'm going to run all of my tests. So it's going to run against all three of those utterances. It's going to validate whether or not it actually did the things that it's supposed to do. And this takes always longer than I expect it to. Um, especially as I'm standing here on stage. So I expect it to end like now, but I think we're only about halfway there. It's going through the process of looking at each one of those utterances, bouncing it against my interaction model, and then telling me what actually happened. And you can see in this case, the results are failed. Whoop, I just, I just ruined that. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm going to back up for a second. Uh, I'm not going to show you it again. But the, uh, the R2-D2 is the one that failed. Does anyone know why it failed? the dash. Uh, I typed in R2-D2. Everything that we do when we think about sample utterances have to be the way that people would speak. And no one speaks the name of that droid, R2-D2. They just say R2-D2, right? So that's what I should have typed, either all as one word or with you know, the two pieces spaced out. But by putting the dash in there, it doesn't recognize that. And it says, oh, they said R2-D2. That doesn't match anything I'm expecting. What that tells me is I can add some synonyms or I could modify my interaction model so that if for some reason someone did say R2-D2, it would still work. OK, so that's the thing that failed. I just wanted to make sure that you saw that. Um, the next thing that I want to talk about is skill connections. So this is a new, another new cool thing that we added this year that allows your skill to talk to other skills to have them do things. 
So one example might be that you have a restaurant skill and someone wants to see the whole menu, but they don't have a device with a screen. You could say, hey, if you'd like to see the whole menu, I could print that for you. And they say, oh, actually, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, print the menu for me. And what you do instead of having to like configure and think about how am I even going to talk to their printer, there are skills for most of the printer manufacturers, and the user probably already has one of those set up. So what you can do instead is say, here's what I want printed. Go to their, go do the print thing. And Alexa figures out what printer skill it should use based on the user's collection of skills and sends that to their printing skill and prints it out on their printer for you. So all you have to do is the handoff. You don't have to worry about anything else. The same thing goes for like taxi reservations uh, or making a reservation at a restaurant. Um, these kinds of things, if you're maybe a movie ticket skill and you're like, hey, do you need a ride to the theater? I can set you up with Lyft or Uber or whatever to get you a ride to the theater or get you a ride home. Um, do you want to get dinner first? I could find you a reservation. So when you say that, all you're really doing is handing it off to their favorite food reservation skill or whatever it happens to be. So that's the idea behind skill connections. The next one, excuse me, is skill personalization. So this is something that every time I talk to a group of developers, the first question I always get asked is, how do I do voice fingerprinting? How do I know who's speaking? And that's what skill personalization is. It lets you know who the speaker is with a unique identifier, right? Not any personal information. But it lets you know that, hey, this is the account owner, or this is someone else that's speaking. Or if they've set it up, you might even be able to say, oh, this is Jeff, but you're on Sarah's account. In fact, I can show you that. So if I'm on my account, Alexa, who am I? I'm talking to Jeff. This is Jeff's account. Alexa, switch accounts. Now in Sarah Blankenberg's account. Alexa, who am I? I'm talking to Jeff. This is Sarah Blankenberg's account. Alexa, switch accounts. So you can hear that when I'm on my wife's account, it still recognizes that it's my voice speaking. And if she were to talk to it, it would know that it's her voice speaking. Uh, what's really cool about this is that when I say, Alexa, play my music. Oh, I didn't want to do that. Alexa, stop. Jeff station from Jeff's Apple Music. Alexa, stop. So what I was going to say is, when, you, when I ask for music, it plays good music. And when my wife asks for music, it plays the stuff that she listens to. Um, and so it's really nice because it's, it's that skill personalization experience, right? So the same thing could happen here. If you were building a skill maybe for a bank, you might say, oh, I only want to work with the account holder. So if it's my voice, it'll tell me my bank balance, it'll let me transfer money, pay bills, do whatever. But if my son comes over and says, give me $100, it's going to be like, I'm sorry, you're not Jeff. You're not authorized to do this, right? Just by using voices. OK. So that's skill personalization. This is one that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, this is called entity resolution and um, dynamic entities. Dynamic entities is the, the big piece for me. So in the trivia game, one of the big challenges that I had is that I have thousands of questions. And if I have a slot that has thousands of, of answers in it, it's a really broad, unrelated set of data. And Alexa thinks everything you say should go into that bucket. Because I'll have the names of presidents, and numbers, and colors, and names of companies, all sorts of things that don't have any real relationship to each other. And so it's so broad and vague that when you say something, Alexa assumes it probably should go into that bucket. So with dynamic entities, what this allows me to do is to change my slot values at runtime. So as the skill is running, I ask you a question, and I replace my answer slot with one answer, the right answer. And if you get that right, if it matches the slot value, then I know you got the answer right. 
And if it doesn't match, then I know you got it wrong. It's a very easy way for me to do validation against what's going on inside the skill. Now, there are some limitations to this because you, don't, um, you can only change out about 100 things. So you can't push 10,000 values in. But if you're building a skill for a restaurant, maybe someone says, hey, I want breakfast. Maybe let's call it the McDonald's skill, right? Um, I want breakfast. I can swap out all the menu slot values for just my breakfast items. Or if it's lunchtime, I could say, here's the lunch menu, right? And that's the only thing they can ask for. They can't ask for the dinner thing. They can't ask for the breakfast thing, because that's not available right now. Um, so it's an easy way to change at runtime how all this stuff should work. OK, uh, really quickly, if you guys didn't know, you can sell things inside skills. This year, we added the ability to do that in Germany, in the UK, and Japan. Um, but it's, it's been in the, available in the United States for about a year and a half at this point. Um, and you can sell things like subscriptions and consumable items like hints and coins. Um, but you can also sell one-time things like a pack of questions in a trivia game, for example. I'm doing this tomorrow. Um, if you haven't done a lot with Alexa, I wouldn't recommend it. I actually got to help write this exam. But there's an AWS certification for Alexa skill building. And I have not yet taken the test, even though I helped write it. Uh, but I will be taking it tomorrow morning at 9 AM. So hopefully tomorrow I'll get to go to the certification lounge. Has anybody had an opportunity to go to the certification lounge? Is it worth it? Do I, am I going to go see some awesome stuff? Because they won't let me in right now. Awesome. OK, I'm, really, I'm imagining it's like this wonderland, like Wonka's factory that I'm going to walk into. Um, but I still have to pass the test. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but there is a certification exam. And then finally, there's one last tool that I want to show you, which is Skillflow Builder. This is a, a downloadable app that you can run on your machine, PC or Mac. And it allows you to build skills visually. So you can come in and build a tree structure like this. You can, at the, on the right-hand side, you can say, hey, when they get to this point, say this thing. And then you can see at the quick actions at the bottom, I'm expecting either a yes or a no answer. So if they say yes, go to this part of the tree. If they say no, go to this part of the tree, right? And so I can quickly navigate the user through whatever they're trying to do. And I can navigate them across tree branches or whatever I'd like to do. You can see a zoom in here. I can also say things like, show this on the screen if they have a screen. Or say this thing. Or if, if I need to reprompt them because they didn't respond, here's what I should say. Um, all of this is an easily configurable tool. You just play with it and manage it. And then you can publish right out of this directly to your developer account. This is called Skillflow Builder. And if you haven't played with it or you're looking to start building a skill, this is a great way to, to kind of get some experience. So I have exactly two minutes left. Um, so I'm going to jump to this last question. I'm not going to ask you to answer this out loud. But I'd love for you to think about what are the cool things that you could be building with voice. Um, I, I challenge everybody that I meet, whether they're technical or a developer or not, to think about what are the things that you do every day that you have to pull your phone out of your pocket, jump into an app, tap a few buttons, especially if it takes more than three clicks to get there. You should probably think about enabling that, either for your business or for your own utility. Building stuff for voice is super easy. It's, it's crazy to think how easy it is to just walk through your house and be like, Alexa, turn the temperature down, or close the windows, or what's my bank balance, or order a pizza. Um, those kinds of things are becoming more and more natural. And it's so cool to see what problems people are thinking about and how they might think about solving them. So I'm really interested. I'd be happy to talk with any of you after if you have questions or just want to introduce yourself. I'd love to do that. I have to mention this, the certification exam one more time. But I want to make sure that I say thank you. This is my Twitter handle. This is my LinkedIn. This is my Twitch channel. This is everything. If you want to find me online, it's at Jeff Blankenberg. Um, you can try to send me an email, but Amazon email is a waterfall. 
but everything I've ever received as a direct message on Twitter or any other social network, I've read all of them, I've replied to all of them. So if you're trying to get a hold of me, I would definitely recommend that, it's much easier. Um, but I'm happy to answer any of your questions. How do I get started? Where should I go? Please reach out, I'm here to help. So whatever I can do, I really appreciate it. So with 28 seconds left, thank you everyone. <laughs>